If you have a Bible, could I invite you to open to the Gospel of Matthew this morning? Matthew chapter 15. And I want to give you a little background to our story. If you read in the previous chapters to Matthew 15, Jesus has done quite a few miracles. He's fed the 5,000. He's also walked on water. And by this point in Jesus' ministry, he's so popular that wherever he goes, people throng him. Now, I've never been a celebrity, and I have never been, you know, famous. But I imagine that at some point, having people always wanting something from you can eventually get tiring. And the Bible tells us that Jesus retreated or he went to the far northern edges of Israel. In fact, if you look on a map, um, where Jesus went is like the southern border of what is today Lebanon. That's where Jesus is going. And if you read the Gospel of Mark, and I won't ask you to turn there, but if you read the Gospel of Mark chapter 7, you will learn that Jesus went into a home. So please picture that. He went to this far country to kind of get away from the crowd where no one would know him. And then he went into a home. And then while he was there, the following story takes place. I'm going to invite you to look with me at Matthew chapter 15. And I want us to start in verse 22. Matthew 15, starting in verse 22. The Bible says, and I'm going to read from the King James, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, a few things that I need to make you aware of the Bible lets us know that this woman was not an Israelite. It says that she was a Canaanite. And what we know about this group of people is that they were pagan idolaters. They did not worship one God, but they had a polyth polytheistic view of God, and they worshiped many gods, many idols. Now, we're told that she comes to Jesus and she uses this expression. She says, O Lord, thou son of who? David. It tells us right away that she knew something. She had heard something about the Israelite prophecies concerning the Messiah. Because this was the title that the Jews used for the coming Messiah. He would be the son of David. And I want you to notice why she came. She came because her daughter was not just vexed with the devil. This wasn't demonic harassment. She was grievously vexed. It was like she was possessed. 
And I just have to say, because we have mothers here today, and there is nothing like a mother's love for her children. Amen? Uh, maybe I can expand that. There's nothing like a parent's love for their child. This woman, she crossed the barriers of race, of prejudice. She even had the boldness to find Jesus where he was, you could say, retreating, relaxing. And she boldly came asking for help to Jesus about her daughter. In verse 23, the Bible says, but he, speaking of Jesus, answered her how? Not a word. Can you imagine that for a moment? Imagine that someone comes into your home and you don't know this person. You've never met this person before. And they are asking you for help. Now, picture, picture that you're the one asking. And imagine for a moment that that person you ask for help doesn't even dignify your request with a response. I mean, this doesn't seem like the Jesus that we know because... Not only does he not say, well, you know, hold on, I'm, I'm, on, I'm here on vacation. Or, no, he doesn't even respond to her. Um, sometimes the most excoriating, the most, you know, searing response is just plumb silence. Isn't that true? I remember when I was growing up, when my parents were upset, when they didn't, you know, when sometimes it's not what they said, sometimes it's what they didn't say that was more scary, you know. But here is Jesus not saying anything. But then in verse 23, I want you to notice what else it says. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Now, this is where things become even more difficult. So please consider in your mind, we have a Gentile woman coming to Jesus. He's in a home. She comes in. She asks him for help, and Jesus doesn't say anything. That in itself is daunting enough. But in addition to that, there are 12 men with him. Now, remember, she's a woman. And there are 12 men that are saying to Jesus, send her away. I mean, can you imagine how this woman must have felt? She's desperate. She comes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't say anything. And now all of his followers are saying, send this woman away. Then in verse 24... Jesus finally speaks, but when he speaks, this is what he said. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of where? Israel. Now, if you listen to what Jesus said on the surface, it almost seems like he's saying, ma'am, 
I'm not here to help you. Now, if you really understand the Bible, you will learn that the name Israel was given to someone who gained a significant victory because of something called faith. So, in a way, what Jesus was saying to this woman on the surface, it seemed like he was literally saying, I am not here for you. But if you understand what that word Israel really means, it's really an invitation for anybody who is willing to exercise faith in God's promises. So, here is Jesus saying, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But verse 25 says, then came she and did what? She worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, I want you to understand that this woman already displays remarkable tenacity, remarkable perseverance, remarkable resilience. Because did you notice that not only did Jesus first not answer her, but then the disciples said, send her away. And then the Bible says, Jesus said, I haven't come for the Gentiles, it sounds like, I've only come for the Jews. And yet in verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 25, yes, this woman, she continued to worship and she said, Lord, help me. Now, in verse 26, Jesus said something again. But notice what he said. He said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to who? To dogs. Now, I need to tell you something about the culture that I grew up in. So, in Korea your heritage is a big deal. In other words, who's your dad? Who's your mom? You know, like that, that heritage is extremely important. So I don't want to get into too much detail, but if you examine, um, if you examine slang, if you examine what we call curse words, they often attack the most personal things to us. So think about this for a moment. You know, in, in our culture, in, in Western culture, um, you know, expletives usually are centered around family, right? And I won't give you the examples, but you know what I'm saying. And, you know, intimacy. These are things that are very close to us as, as a Western society. But in Eastern society, it's about family. So in Korea, one of the most, one of the most insulting, offensive, derogatory things that you could say about someone is that they are the offspring of a dog. Okay? That is the that is like, you know, and I'm not teaching you guys to swear in Korean, but I'm just saying to you that. In Korea, that is literally the worst thing that you can say to someone, okay? Now, I don't know what Syrian culture was like, okay? I don't know. 
But I will tell you that when this woman heard this, I know she did not think that this was a compliment. Does that make sense? This woman may not have had a grasp of Jewish culture, but for sure, when Jesus said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs, this woman had to know that in that analogy, she was not the children. Does that make sense? She had to know that. Now, I got to tell you, this woman, I, I'm going to rephrase that, this mother, she did not give up. And what's, what's so amazing to me is that even after being ignored, like silence from Jesus, even after the disciples said, Jesus, send this woman away, she is annoying. And even after Jesus said, I'm not here for you, I'm here for the descendants of Abraham. Even after Jesus said to her, hey, it wouldn't be good to take children's bread and give it to dogs. Even after all of that, this woman, she didn't give up. What did she say to Jesus in verse 27? Please look at this. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In the original Greek, the word dogs that Jesus used in verse 26 is a word that means like house pet. I guess even in Israel back at that time, they had dogs that ran wild, like, you know, feral dogs that just ran around. But they also had house pets. And the word that is in Greek dogs that Jesus used, it refers to like a little dog. And I don't think they have the breeds that we have here, but maybe it was the size of like a chihuahua or a, you know, a, a terrier, some, something small, okay? Now, when Jesus said that, the woman replied that even those dogs can eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And you know, Jesus, we know this, Jesus was testing her. Doesn't he test us the same way as this woman sometimes? I want you to think, have you ever prayed and nothing happened? Have you ever had that before? You know, sometimes when you pray and nothing happens, you think, hey, why is God ignoring me? I, have, I am desperately in trouble right now. Why is God not answering? You know, that, that issue of, you know, God's silence, that perplexes people sometimes. I prayed, there was nothing. And then, have you ever noticed sometimes when you pray, the circumstances, they don't even get better, but instead they get what? They get worse. And you're like, wait a minute. I go to church. I prayed. I'm returning a faithful tithe. What's going on? Like, why in the earth is God allowing this? And then on top of that, Jesus sometimes doesn't give the answer that we're looking for. You know, my friend John Bradshaw, the speaker director of It Is Written, he has a, fa a famous saying that he likes to say. He says, when you pray, God never says no. He either says yes, or I'm going to give you something better. 
And there's truth in that. There is truth in that. Because, you know, my kids ask me for things sometimes, like my middle son, he's like, he has a very science-oriented mind. He wanted me to buy something like mercury, you know, liquid mercury. And, you know, that's a neurotoxin. Like, you can't buy that for kids. That, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have a, a thing of mercury and float like a hammer in it. That's cool, right? But if you stay in that room, you're going to basically have permanent brain damage for the rest of your life. You know, it vaporizes and you're going to be in big trouble. So as a parent, we don't always give our children what they think they want, even though they're sincere in asking what they want. You know, God doesn't always give us what we want. And sometimes the answer that he gives is not what we were wanting. So you might be praying, you might be single, and you're praying for a life partner. And maybe, you know, you met someone and you think, God, please, please let this be the one. Well, God knows the future. Maybe he knows that if you get connected with this person, eventually you might end up leaving the faith. So God knows what the future holds, and he answers sometimes in a way that we don't expect. This woman, she didn't give up after all of these daunting circumstances. And so look with me at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, notice these next four words. Great is thy what? Thy faith. You, did you know that in the New Testament, Jesus only said that two people had great faith. Only two. This is one of them. Did you know that both of those people were not Jews? And both of those people had someone that they loved that was very sick. And I want to tell you, and I know that some of you are going to write me or you're going to text message me uh, and you're going to call me because you're, you're, you're not going to understand what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sometimes God uses our faith to heal someone else. Oh, I guess you didn't have a problem with that. Okay, so let me explain. We often think that our faith is, is, it saves us. It helps us. But I can tell you of three, four, five stories in the Bible where a, a mother's faith, a father's faith, so this mother, her faith, not the daughter's faith, but her faith saved her child. Jairus's faith saved his daughter. His daughter couldn't exercise faith. She was dead. Does that make sense? And I think of the Roman centurion who had a servant that he loved. That Roman centurion, his faith saved his servant. Parents, Pray for your children because God hears the prayer of parents. Husbands, pray for your spouses, your wives. Wives, pray for your husbands because God hears the prayer of faith for someone you love. Church family, I want to ask you to pray the prayer of faith on behalf of our sister Sharon. 
Dick, I know you're praying. I know that I don't have to ask you to do that, but I know you're praying. This story gives me hope that God can reward our faith by blessing someone else. Now, there's three things that I want to review as I close my message. Number one, faith always works by love. That's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says that faith works by love. What does that mean? Faith always manifests itself in love for our fellow man and love for God. Did you notice that the two people that Jesus said, "Great, you have great faith, they both loved someone so much that they braved the most daunting circumstances to come to Jesus and ask for help. I guess I could say it to you like this. If you're not sure if you have great faith, you have to ask yourself, do I love everyone? Because faith always manifests itself through love. Faith works by love, the Bible says. Number two, faith always believes that God can do anything. Did you know that in the book of Hebrews, and I'll just quote this, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. What does that mean? When you come to God, you have to come to him believing that God can do anything. Can God fix a broken marriage? Yes. Can he heal cancer? Can he give you a job that can pay off all your debts? Yes. Can he sell your car, your house, your boat? Can he do it for you? Yes, God can do it. But you have to come to God believing that he is God. The third lesson on faith that we need to take from this story is that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, this woman's faith was shown in that she didn't give up. She knew that Jesus could help her, and she didn't stop asking because she knew that Jesus was the only solution for her problem. You know, sometimes people give up because they think, you know, he, here I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. How is God going to find me a job in this economy that helps me keep the Sabbath? And so they give up. And then they just say, okay, I'm, you know, it doesn't matter because I got to feed my family. I got to do this. Sometimes people give up. They say, you know what? I'm never going to meet another Christian, like-minded Christian like myself. <clears throat> I'm just going to go on eHarmony and just find a good Christian, even if they're not the same faith as me. And I'm just going to get married because God can't bring someone to me in the middle of nowhere. But you know what, folks? This woman, the reason she didn't give up is because she had implicit faith that God was the only one that could fix this problem. She wasn't going to take matters into her own hands. She wasn't going to do this on her own. She said, God, you're the only hope. You're the only one that can help me. I want to challenge you. This month, we're going to be looking at the subject of faith. And I want to challenge you today in your own spiritual life. Don't give up. Some of you 
Maybe you're at the point of, you know, just wanting to give up. I talked with the, on the phone just yesterday with a friend of mine who said, you know, I'm so discouraged. I'm so down. I just feel like nothing's happening in my life and God hasn't heard my prayers. And I reminded them, you know, sometimes God allows us to go through a period of like silence. There's no answer. There's no response. He did this to the woman because he's testing us. He's testing our faith. Don't give up. Faith is evidenced. This woman's faith was evidenced by the fact that she wouldn't give up. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father in heaven today, may it be said of everyone here, not just in the church, but everyone who is watching as well, May it be said of us that we also have great faith. Not because there's any good thing in us, but because we humbly cling to the promises in your word. Lord, I lift up our dear sister Sharon. And no doubt, this is a time of uh, just difficulty. No doubt, she's praying and trusting you. And Lord, I pray that as a church family, our faith can bring comfort and hope to her and Dick. Lord, we have other members in our church right now that are also healing. They're recovering. We have other members that are struggling financially or health-wise and in other ways. I just pray that our faith, like this woman, would never give up. Help us today to hear your voice more clearly, speaking to us through your word, through our interactions with one another. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name.